And so David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Arona said to David, Let my lord the king take it and offer whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen for burnt sacrifice, the threshing implements, and the yokes of the oxen for wood. You've got everything you need here, David. I'll give you the threshing floor. I'll give you the oxen, uh, all the threshing instruments, the wood, everything. I'm going to give you. You can take it all. And look at the worship of this guy. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. David is instructed to erect an altar on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite, which is where David met the angel of the Lord, and where God relented from the plague before it came upon Jerusalem. The threshing floor of Aruna had both a rich history and a rich future. Second Chronicles chapter 3 verse 1 tells us that the threshing floor of Aruna was on Mount Moriah, the same hill where Abraham offered Isaac and the same set of hills where Jesus died on the cross. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes the book of Second Samuel. God's going to take care of him. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? But it took about ten months for David to finally come around. Now verse 11, it says, When David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, or David's prophet's, and, and notice that David remembered that old feeling that he had when he had sinned with Bathsheba and killed her husband. There's a gnawing feeling, and David was very familiar with that. You know, sometimes, you know, when these things happen to us and you start to feel that same feeling again, that's a great time to get on your knees and ask God to forgive you. <laughs> and hopefully you know what it is. And usually we do. Usually we know we're in rebellion and we're getting that same old sinking, tanking feeling in our hearts. And that's the time to stop, drop, and roll. As Dick Van Dyke, remember the old uh, commercial about if you catch on fire, stop, drop, and roll? Do you guys remember that? Or was that Smokey Bear? I don't remember what it was. It doesn't really matter. But the idea is that when you get that feeling, David got that feeling. He's like, oh, I've been here before. I've been here before. And I tell you what, I don't want to live through that again. Lord, I want to come clean with you. <laughs> And that God was waiting for David all along to do that. But how patient God is with us. Notice, nine months and 20 days, the patience and wonderful grace of God. Don't ever take God's grace for granted and, 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 and take advantage of it. We do that. We typically do that. But may as we get older in the Lord, maybe as we get older and more mature in Christ, let's, hopefully we'll all do that much, much less. We won't take it for granted don't take his grace for granted. Relish the grace and thank him for the grace and walk in his spirit and walk in that grace and thank him for it. Amen? 
So important to do. So Gad, uh, David's seer, uh, the Lord tells him, Go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. And I'm thinking to myself, oh boy, something's going to happen to me. <laughs> and now I've got a choice. I always hate that. It's like the price is right. Door number one or two or three. What's it going to be? But notice there's always a consequence for sin. Always. Notice that the consequence wasn't even just upon David, but it was really upon all of Israel. This turmoil that this was for David to see the judgment of God being meted out on the people when it wasn't affecting him. Can you imagine the guilt of that? You know, there's nothing worse than something that you've done is causing the pain of others when you yourself are not being affected at all. And I think that's just crushed David because David as a shepherd, that just wasn't his heart. It wasn't his heart. We're going to see that it wasn't. And God allowed that. And I bet that just gnawed on him and just brought an end to him, which is always a good place for us to be, to bring us to an end of our selfishness, of our self-life, of our sin and rebellion. God wants to bring an end to it. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. That's what David got for his sin. His error was to watch these people that he was king over. 70,000 men died in three days. Galatians 6 tells us, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For what, uh, whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. And it's true, isn't it? So in verse 13, So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in the land? Which actually should be three. You might want to put in your Bible, three years, it's not seven years, and we'll talk about that in a minute. It's actually three years of famine. Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see what, you, what answer I should take back to him who sent me. Now I said that there was three, three days. Or I'm sorry, three years of famine, I'm sorry. The Septuagint translation, which you know is the... Greek translation of the Old Testament. It reads literally three instead of seven. And also in First Chronicles, the parallel account to this account also reads three years of famine. Okay, And it fits what, what God is doing. He's using the word three. I'm giving you three choices, three you know, months of, of famine, uh, three months before you rise while, you, while the enemies pursue you, or three days plague. <laughs> And so the Lord gives him these three things. And David said, I am in a great distress. Please let us, notice, fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. Listen, it is such a blessing to fall into the hand of God. Because God is the only one who really knows what is necessary to get you to turn. Mankind, we are cruel to one another. Mankind over the years and the wars and the awful things that man has done to man has been, is horrible. And there's no mercy. It's just bloodlust. But God is not so. He only needs to do as much as he needs to to get us to yield. And why is that? Is it just because he's mad because we're having fun? No. Are you really having fun when you're sinning? The, the pleasure is pleasurable. Sin is pleasurable for a moment. But then the bill comes. 
And consequences come from my sin that I can't pay. And they're very costly. Sometimes they cost your life. They cost you relationships. They cost, the price tag is too big. It's too big. But God knows exactly what he's doing. And I love David. He said, don't let me fall into the hands of man, but I'm going to fall on the mercies of God. And that was a good answer. And so the Lord sent a plague from Israel, from the morning until the appointed time, from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men died. They died. And again, notice, I love the mercy of God even in this. It was quick. It was surgical. It was over in a very short period of time. God is like that. I can't imagine the alternatives. There might have been... While the enemies pursued them for three months, they could have endured a lot more loss of life. But God chose the thing that was least, I think. Notice in verse 16, So when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented. Jehovah, whenever you see the the Lord in all caps, capital L-O-R-D, that always means Jehovah, Yahweh. Okay, And so, when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord, God the Father, Yahweh, relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, and said, um, it is enough, now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord uh, was by the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. And, and this man, Arona, um, you'll find in First Chronicles chapter 15 a variant spelling, okay? Ornan, O-R-N-A-N, O-R-N-A-N. So in the Bible often you'll see a, a person's name spelled a little differently. It's the same person, and, and this is why, uh, you know, uh, dictionaries, uh, commentators, um, Strong's Concordance, those kinds of things can be a really good help to you. Because you can, re- you can understand that these are one and the same. And of course in context you know that, but it's just something to consider. So verse 17, Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But notice David, even the, the phrases that he uses shows his shepherd's heart. But these sheep, what have they done? And David is relating to his God's people as sheep. And he was the shepherd. That, that, that was the, the thing that, that, that God had made David, gave him that heart over his dad's sheep, gave him that responsibility. Because one day David would be the shepherd over a great number of sheep, but people. And David comes back to that idiom and he says, These sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. Man, it would have been so much easier, Lord, if you just struck me with a plague of some kind and you know, brought me through it, but I had to suffer for a little while. I much would have preferred that than these people have done nothing, and yet it was because of me that this is happening. See, that's the heart of God. When somebody's willing to own it and, and, and say, Lord, what... Can't you just take can't you just do something with me and let these people off? This is why we must take heed to what the Lord spoke to David in 2 Samuel 23 verse 3. What did God say to David in his last words? 
What were the, some of the last things that God said to David? At some point, God said, He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. That's what God spoke to David. And notice, And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Remember, before David, uh, before David conquered uh, Jerusalem, the, the name of that city was Jabus. And it was renamed Jerusalem. It was Jabus because the Jebusites lived there. And remember, it was David's nephew, Joab, who actually found a water shaft and actually climbed up. And the other men came and they they were able to overcome the town with very little resistance. And David named it Zion. It's right to the southern part of the Temple Mount, as you see it today, where the Dome of the Rock and all that other stuff is. Right to the south corner of that, the southeast corner, is what we call the City of David, or Zion. And they've, they've uncovered a lot of that. And if you go to Israel with us, you'll be walking along that stuff and seeing where David's palace was. And it's amazing place right there. And they've uncovered a lot of it, and they got it all covered. It's really wonderful to see. But you've got to understand that when David... Um, uh, took over the Jebusites. Evidently, this Aruna, this man from who was a Jebusite, he owned some land there on the Temple Mount because back at that time, it was just a big field. And it was just an outcropping of rock there at the top. And so you have this place up here on the top here, and now you've got David's city of Zion over here. And then all this was just grass. There was no Temple Mount or anything up there. And Aruna owned all of that land. And so David approaches him, and God spoke to his angel and was standing there on that very place. And so Gad came to David and said to him, Go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And so David went according to the word of God, or the... Um, so David, uh, according to the, went up as the Lord commanded. Did I skip a verse? Nope, there it is, 19. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And, and, so, and this is this little part of land up there. Now Aruna looked, and can you imagine the, how this man might have been frightened? He sees the king coming with an entourage of men, and he's thinking to himself, what did I do wrong? But Aruna's heart, look at this man, I'm so impressed with this man. He saw the king and his servants coming toward him, and so Aruna went out and he bowed it down to the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, Why is my lord the king come to his servant? And deep in his heart he's thinking, I hope it's good. <laughs> and David said, Well, I've come to buy the threshing floor from you. A threshing floor was where they would thresh wheat. You couldn't do it at the very top of the mountain because as you threw the wheat, as you did this with the wheat and you threw it up, the chaff was supposed to blow away in the wind and then this, the heavier grain would fall to the ground. And so they would do it just on the other side of that where it wasn't so windy and there was just enough wind to blow away the chaff but, an, but not enough to cause the grain to be blown away. And so he owned all of that threshing floor, that whole hill. And so David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Arona said to David, Let my lord the king take it and offer whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen for burnt sacrifice, the threshing implements, and the yokes of the oxen for wood. You've got everything you need here, David. I'll give you the threshing floor. I'll give you the oxen, uh, all the threshing instruments, the wood, everything. I'm going to give you. You can take it all. And look at the worship of this guy. 
What an awesome location he had. All these things Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. And then King David said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it for you. And in Chronicles it tells us the full price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. Amazing. At the heart of worship is sacrifice, isn't it? So David brought the threshing floor and oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Now, when you read 1 Chronicles, you're going to see that it says uh, 600 shekels of gold. It could be that David, at this time, bought the threshing floor and the oxen and the instruments for 50 shekels of silver for that specific area, but then bought the whole land around it, and that cost a lot more. And so that's what many believe that the difference is here. And... Um, And notice that David knew what worship is. He knew what worship is. He was a worshiper. He would not accept it for free from Aruna. And remember that real worship costs us something. It costs us, doesn't it? Real worship, there's a cost assigned to it. You know, when I think of the the woman, uh, Mary, who poured the ointment out on Jesus' feet, it was a, a jar of spikenard that was worth a, a, a one-year salary. Think of that. Think about what your salary is, and that's how much this costs. And she was so willing to pour it out on the feet of Jesus. That is worship. She could have sold it. And think of what real worship is. Real worship is a sacrifice of some sort. Even sometimes singing our songs, sometimes that can be a, an act of worship. Because many of you, if you're like me, when I, you, know, you come in from work and you just don't feel like singing. But isn't, it, isn't God worthy of it? To sing regardless of how you feel. And so it, be, it does become a sacrifice of praise. Maybe you're having a really tough day. Maybe you've lost a loved one in your family. And God, you know, and you should still worship God. Isn't he still worthy? Regardless of whether all your family's alive or two of them were killed in an accident. Are you going to stop worshiping God because he took something away from you? It's certainly, I can understand the human element of that. But no matter what he does, he's worthy to receive all honor and praise. We just don't understand what it was all about and what it's for. Maybe in time we will. And certainly in glory, I'm sure he'll tell us. But David built there an altar to the Lord. He offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord heeded the prayers for the land. And the plague was withdrawn from Israel. You know, it's interesting. It's believed that this very spot, Aruna's threshing floor, was where Abraham offered Isaac It's recorded for us in Genesis 22. Read it. It was the mountains of Moriah. And we believe that that's the very spot because there's an outcropping of rock up there and they believe that that is right where Abraham offered Isaac. Genesis 22 corroborates that. It's also the spot that David had Solomon build the temple on that very spot. And it's also very near the area where Jesus would be crucified for the sin of the world. Think of all the time you know, that goes on. You know, way back in the time of Genesis, you know, Abraham offering Isaac, and now you have 
David building a temple or Solomon building a temple on that very same spot and the plague being stayed from, uh, from the people. And then, you know, fast forward now another thousand years and now you got Jesus Christ dying on a cross just a little bit north of this place where this is happening because Jesus was crucified just a little north of the temple mount where it is today. And so what about all this? You know, there, there's a lot of things we could learn from this. We must never get lax. Or lazy. You know, David, as he got older, he probably just got a little lax, started counting his money, started counting his goods, allowing pride to take hold. And we must never forget what real worship is. To really continue to learn what true worship is. You know, and you think of Jesus' life on the cross... It was the greatest act of worship. In fact, if Sarah, if you could come on up, and Dan, you know, we're going to take communion together tonight. And you think about that sacrifice. The greatest sacrifice. The sacrifice of sacrifices. I mean, who would die? Who, Almighty God, dying on the cross when he did nothing wrong? He never did it. He never did anything. He didn't deserve it. And yet, the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What kind of God do you serve because <laughs> if it's a God that you know makes you feel good and, and, and it's a God that doesn't require it and it's a God that doesn't, didn't die for you, then what about you? Are you going to get to heaven based on your own merit or has somebody already paid the price for you? I would rather have somebody pay the price for me and thank God it wasn't even up to me. While I was still a rotten scoundrel, Jesus paid the price. And so let's be thankful for that. And that's why we take these tokens, the bread and the cup, to remember what Jesus did for us. And so at the end of our, uh, while, our while we're singing and worshiping in this song, just come on up and grab the elements and bring it back to your chair and we'll take it together. Amen, Lord. We just thank you for uh, what these uh, tokens mean. Thank you that you're the bread of life and that you came and your body was broken for us. And Lord, we take this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name. And thank you for the cup, Lord, for the blood that was shed for our sin. And we take it with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. Let's partake. Lord, we're mindful of what you spoke to the disciples on that night. You said that you would never, you wouldn't drink of the vine until you drink it anew in your kingdom. And Lord, so we do this in remembrance of you, and we do this to remember your death on the cross. The precious blood that was shed, the very blood of God. Lord, how we thank you for that. How we thank you for setting us free. And Lord, thank you for tonight, Lord. We pray that you get us all home safely tonight, Lord Jesus. As the temperatures drop, Lord, give us safety on the roads. And even our morning commutes tomorrow, Lord, keep us safe. And thank you again, Lord, for just this wonderful book of Samuel. And Lord, how we look forward to 1 Kings and, and just continuing to learn and to grow as we see the life of Solomon and so, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. It's a bittersweet moment for me, Lord.
but on we go. So we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That concludes our study in the book of 2 Samuel. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob begins a study in the Gospel of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585 586 3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.